Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Guys in a Chainsaw. I'm Todd. And I'm Craig. Well, Craig has chosen the last few movies that we've done, and so it kind of became my turn to pick a film. And as we often do, we keep track of the people in the horror community, whether they be big, big stars or cult genre stars, uh, the people who've died, and uh, try to do tribute episodes for them. And I, I don't think this is... This man is probably at the top of all of our listeners' lists. Probably not yours at all, Craig. <laughs> I forgot who you're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's going to be just as much a surprise to me as to the audience. <laughs> well, I propose whether he remembers it or not. A, a few days ago, I proposed to Craig that we do a tribute to uh, Giovanni Lombardo Radice. Uh, who died in April of this year. Now, we have reviewed one or two movies that he has been in. Uh, They're all Italian films, so right off the bat, definitely more in my wheelhouse than in Craig's. We did City of the Living Dead by Lucio Fulci. We were not terribly impressed with that movie, but he played Bob uh, in that film. And then, um, (laughs) during another tribute episode that we did for Umberto Lenzi, the ill-chosen Cannibal Ferox, which we both thought was a steaming pile of garbage. Yeah. He played Mike Logan, the star of the film. And that is a cannibal movie that not only did we hate, but he himself also hated. (laughs) He uh, has said on record many times and in many interviews that he regrets being in that movie, that he thought it was also a steaming pile of garbage, that it was fascist and mean-spirited and racist and degrading. And uh, he very much objected to the animal cruelty in that movie and refused to do any of it. Um, there's kind of a somewhat famous altercation between him and uh, and the director, Umberto Lenzi, where there's a scene in there where they kill a pig, and they really do kill a pig. And he was called to do that scene. Lenzi said to him, all right, now's the day you kill a pig. And he's like, well, yeah, the, the special effects or whatever. And he's like, no, we're really going to kill the pig. And he said, I'm not killing any pig. And Lindsay says to him, well, Robert De Niro would have done it. And he said, Robert De Niro would have kicked your ass right out the door. (laughs) (laughs) And so he refused to kill the pig. And so the special effects guy actually ended up being the guy who killed the pig. And then they had to do close-ups on his face, like reaction shots of him stabbing. And the reaction shots of him stabbing were of him stabbing something. It was like a big melon or something I like that. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that the special effects guy was holding, and he loves to say that he got his revenge for the pig because as he was stabbing that melon, he stabbed right through it into the hands of the special effects oh, guy who had to go to the hospital. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was quite a character, and uh, he really made a name for himself uh, in these low-budget horror movies. His very first love was actually uh, ballet. And he was studying Mm -hmm. ballet and he was really into theater. But then he kind of ended up in film and, uh, like I said, started out with uh, Cannibals in the Streets, City of the Living Dead, a uh, Ruggiero Diodato movie called House on the Edge of the Park, and then Cannibal Ferox. And uh, anyway, if you're a fan like I am of this old Italian early 80s, late 70s horror films, um, he does pop up a bit in this and has garnered quite a cult following because of it. Uh, he's a good-looking guy. He's a yeah. fine actor. He's been working all the way up until uh, 2021. Honestly, uh, has a, like 57 credit film credits to his name on IMDb wow. until he died in April. So uh, 
Uh, you know, I was looking through, obviously, like I said, we'd already done City of the Living Dead, Cannibal Ferox, two movies I had already earmarked for our podcast we'd already done. And uh, I was trying, I was deciding between two films, The Church, uh, which is an Argento-produced movie, and uh, this one that uh, I chose, Stage Fright. And the reason I chose it is I thought the concept sounded really interesting, and I thought it would be appealing to Craig. I mean, give me some credit, Craig. Sometimes I actually think of you when I'm choosing these movies that I'm suspicious that you're going to hate. <laughs> Aren't you sweet? Well, yeah, I am sweet. I mean, it's about a bunch of musical theater, uh, people uh, rehearsing a musical who get locked in the theater and there's a killer amongst them. And yeah. some reviews say it's a fine little 80s slasher with a lot of flair and style and, and 80s sensibility and whatnot. And, uh, we did a movie called Stage Fright, but I think yeah. that, that was our meatloaf tribute, right? Uh-huh. Where it was a bunch of musical theater kids at a musical theater camp who, you know, there's a slasher among them. So it's easy to get the two movies confused. But this one is from 1987 and uh, absolutely could not be confused with <laughs> the meatloaf movie, which itself was a musical. Yeah. This movie is a pretty lame slasher film. And <laughs> Honestly, to my chagrin, <laughs> our, the guy we're paying tribute to like dies in the first fifteen minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> well, how would you know? I, was, I didn't know. I was disappointed. <laughs> I, I I'll agree with you that I think that uh, this movie sounds interesting and promising on paper. It's not either of those things. <laughs> <laughs> honestly like i don't know i don't think i was in the right state of mind for whatever reason meaning i wasn't like high or drunk like you, you whichever is your preference i think that is the state of mind you need to be in for this movie gosh i don't know what to say because other than a couple of noteworthy artistic choices in the filmmaking I don't really think there's much noteworthy about this movie at all. Like the no. the story is pretty lame. Mm. The acting is pretty bad. <laughs> 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 and for me, it broke the biggest rule that horror movies shouldn't break in cuz it was boring. I was bored. I was too. Oh, oh I just and and I swear, like uh, I took far fewer notes than I usually do, but two thirds of the way down, in all caps, I have. There's still a half hour left. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally found myself wandering <laughs> from the movie Me to too. where I was like, "Oh crap, there's still a movie to watch." <laughs> and oh, I, I like did the same thing. It's I terrible. had to rewind. Uh, and make sure that I could write down at least what happened, if nothing else. I did oh, that a God. couple of times, too. And both times, I rewound it like 30 seconds. I was like, oh, no, didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I It's directed by uh, Michelle uh, Soavi. And he is both a director and an actor. And... I don't know. You know, for some reason, I had it in my head that he directed Demons, but he did not direct Demons. We loved Demons. Demons Night of the Demons, you mean? No. No, just Demons. Demons. Okay, right, right, right. Another movie where there's a bunch of people locked in a theater, except in this case, it's like freaking Demons. And that was a gory, bloody, just delirious, crazy mess. He did not direct that. He acted in it. He was the guy... In the beginning, remember that had that like half metal mask on who was in the subway? He was 
passing yeah. out tickets uh-huh. to the theatrical performance. So he was an actor in that. And he was an actor in a number of Dario Argento movies um, before he started directing. Again, City of the Living Dead, The New York Ripper, Tenebrae, Opera, Demons. He was he acted in that. He was in Phenomena. I mean, we've done... Yeah, a lot of those. Yeah, all, all but one of those movies. I just I just rattled off. And he's in this too. He's got kind of a... I guess they're supposed to be comic relief, even though they don't do anything funny. That was my biggest problem with this movie is I think that somebody should remake it and just go full camp. Like, make it actually a musical and and just make it really over the top and stupid because this is played straight. And because of that, it's just boring. Like, I want this to be a bad movie, but it's not even funny or hokey enough to be bad. I mean, the... The, the plot is dumb. I mean, it opens up with just like a black screen. I don't even remember, but it sounds like somebody's either bathing or killing a cat. And then you hear these like cat screams throughout the movie. It's weird. And then it pulls up on a hooker who I couldn't tell at first if it was a man or a woman. And I was a little confused there for a second. It's a woman. <laughs> and she gets grabbed like she gets pulled like it's on like a street like a dark street at night and she gets pulled like into an alleyway and then it breaks into a huge dance number and i i had no idea what was happening i didn't realize that we were in the context of a stage performance like i thought that this was just the movie um which i think is what we're intended to (laughs) yeah so it's, it's like supposed to guy. come as a right. It's supposed to come as a big surprise, and it was a big surprise. And then there's a big dance number, and the lead guy, this guy who we're paying tribute to, is in a um, owl mask, like this full, like it's big. It's like a big owl head that sits on his shoulders, and that's the only element of his costume. This is rehearsal, so there may have been more to it, but he's just in, like, black or a bodysuit or something. Um, And I didn't know that this guy had a history in dance, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, he looks like a dancer, and he's graceful, and he moves around. And But it's just crazy from the beginning. Like, the music is weird. Marilyn Monroe's, like, on the sax, like, with the wind blowing up her skirt and it's really weird yeah but it turns out that they are doing this show i guess called the night owl and it's going to be sensational because the big twist is that in the third act the victim is going to rape her own murderer this director Peter, who's super pretentious. I didn't write down any of the actors' names, by the way, because none of them were familiar to me. So if there's anybody of note here, you'll have to let me know. <laughs> no, uh, I didn't bother looking up anybody. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't either. Um, so Peter's the director, and he's kind of, you know, the typical douchey, pretentious director. Alicia is the girl who was playing the hooker. There's just a small cast of characters. It starts out larger, but it eventually wheedles down to these. Sybil and Danny are actors, too, and they are a couple. And she is pregnant and therefore throws up throughout the rest of the movie, because that's how you know people are pregnant in movies. Danny is the dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have uh, Brett is uh, gay. I, that's not I used a mean word, but that's the only like that was his defining characteristic. Oh, he's the gay one. The funny, <laughs> he's the funny gay. There's always got to be a funny gay, especially yeah. if you're doing a movie about a musical. Come on. And I actually 
I'm not just saying this because we're talking specifically about this actor, but he was my favorite character because even though he was kind of douchey, he was at least interesting. Like he was doing stuff and like he had snarky lines. So he was, I don't think that it was meant to be like, ha ha funny, but he was bitchy and I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) The rest of them were just boring. There's like a fat, producer who hits on the girls his name's ferrari and there's another actress named laurel and a stagehand named mark and like a groundskeeper named willie yeah groundskeeper willie (laughs) groundskeeper willie and these are the people and so i the the setup because so what's her name the main actress alicia somehow hurt herself. I guess while they were dancing, she twisted her ankle or something, and Peter didn't want to allow her to leave to go get it looked at because they're on a tight schedule or whatever. But she sneaks away, and her friend, Betty, takes her to the psychiatric hospital to have her ankle looked at. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Right. Um, And the psychiatric hospital looks like a jail. Uh, (laughs) I thought they were taking him to jail. It's just a psychiatric <laughs> hospital that keeps people in jail cells. There's one ominous patient, this tall, lanky guy who doesn't speak, that they like lead into a barred room and strap down to the bed and keep, you know, doing these ominous close-ups of his face as he's like looking out in the hall and he's lit and all blue and whatnot. Well, what ends up happening is what's her name gets her ankle looked at and then they leave and inadvertently bring the psycho back with them. Like the psycho kills an orderly and hides in the back of their car and they bring him back to the theater and uh, he gets inside and starts killing them all. The is <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, like that's, that's pretty much it. It's definitely him, right? Cause by the end of the movie, I wasn't sure who the killer was. I guess. Are was... you serious? Oh, I thought yeah. it was so obvious from the, it... They knew who it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I just didn't care. I, I, my point is, like, I knew it wasn't anybody in the theater. This wasn't going to be a case of where one of the actual cast are a killer. Because at one point, everybody in the freaking cast is locked in a room together. Yeah. from Away from the killer. And then the killer right. drills and through the door it, at one of them. and so un- yeah. Unless it would have been, like a minor character that we hadn't spent much time with or something, but no, like, it like, is, like groundskeeper Willie, like Willie. Yeah, no, right. it's bold on its face. This, this character has a name. His name is Irving Wallace. And he was an actor who went berserk and killed 16 people and doesn't talk a lot. That's his MO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is him. We know it's him, but he just yeah. shows up. And first, like, as soon as he gets out of the car, he murders Betty, and they find Betty's body, so they know that there's a murderer around, but Peter's like, no, this is great. It's going to be, like, great publicity, and we're going to change the show, (laughs) and the killer's not just going to be an anonymous killer, it's going to be the real Irving Wallace, and people are going to pay big money to come see a show about a guy murdering people in the building where he just murdered somebody. It's fantastic lock all the doors <laughs> it's so dumb like there's only one exit door and there's only one key and like they're <sighs> once it gets locked they're just 
They're just stuck. They're just trapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they know. Like, they know. Um, I don't know. Does he kill our, our guy next? Is that... We don't even see our guy get killed. We just see... He, he loses his mask. He can't find his bird mask. And then he's kind of looking around for it. And I think he finds the spare or something. Yeah. And he goes, oh, there you are. And he bends over to pick it up. And the killer is standing right behind him in the yeah. bird mask. Sadly, we don't see him get killed. There's no scene or anything. In fact, I'm not even sure they find the body. It's just kind of like... Yeah, you end. really weren't paying attention to this movie. Yeah. yeah. Were they we, fi- we, did they find his body at some we point? We know exactly right. what happens to him because eventually... Oh, I, well, kn- I know they show his body at the end. I just meant I don't think the characters themselves in the movie find the body anytime soon, do they? Not anytime soon. It's not until much later after a couple others have been killed. One of the things that I... And they don't technically find the body. I'll, I'll, I'll explain when we get there. But one of the things that I read about the movie was that it's a very typical slasher. It's just people getting picked off one by one. And it is, and that's fair. But yeah. then in that same review, I read, but the kills are like notably gruesome and violent and you know yeah. arguably some of the you know most gruesome kills in a slasher movie i didn't think so no but they're pretty standard really whoever not... wrote that has not seen the movies we've seen <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> it was all. just it was a fan review but yeah yeah i didn't like it was uh, the betty gets an axe to the face or a pickaxe through the face now granted i wouldn't want to get a pickaxe to the face, but it's not like that's particularly innovative. Does it look good? Yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, I would say overall the effects look pretty good. Yeah. But nothing particularly notable. Uh, yeah. I don't know. What else? Peter lets everybody go except for that small group of people that I mentioned before uh, as I ran through the cast. That's everybody who's there. And, uh, God, like seriously, I'm halfway through my notes already. and Yeah, I know. Well, he Brett, needs, yeah, yeah go, go ahead. On. Brett, Brett, Brett can't find his costume, but that's what I said. And then he bows, and the thing is yeah. behind him. Mm-hmm. And so we assume that now that Owlface is the killer, mm-hmm. and he is. And in probably the most interesting scene, which is telling because it's really not all that interesting, they're rehearsing the scene, and Corinne, one of the actresses, it's her murder scene, and so she's out, like, doing her dance, like, before she's supposed to be killed, and then they are like, what's your name, the actor, Owlface actor, they're like, Brett, where are you, it's your your turn and to kill her to come out and kill her, and so the Owlface starts making his way onto stage. Very like trepidatious, like yeah. it's it's obviously not him. Like he doesn't, yeah. he's not doing choreography. He's not acting. He's just coming out on stage, and everybody's watching from the audience. Like mm-hmm. one of the other actresses, Laurel or whatever the director her name is. and all that. Yeah, yeah and the director, yeah. and they're down there and they're watching it. But obviously, the owl guy's not doing what he's supposed to be doing and eventually he pulls out a big knife and the director's like what are you doing with a knife and and he starts stabbing this girl right there on stage in front of everybody and it takes them a minute to understand that it's really happening and finally the director is like that's not brett and then they all freak out and run and scream and the owl guy chases them around but that's just kind of it 
Yeah. I, I mean, they end up getting locked in a bathroom they get locked or something. In. There's a police. The police are hanging out outside, but apparently it's raining, so they can't hear mm-hmm. anything. And, uh, you know. <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't know. know. It's just, like, there's I nothing... don't know what to say about it. All right. I can't let's hear just the... okay. say. So we the see. The movie tries to be stylish, right? Like, right. it's got these, like, POV shots, and it's got, like, feathers blowing around every now and then, and cool 80s music kind of playing. I, I thought and, the like, score was really interesting. <sighs> like, the choice of it was interesting and good, I thought. Like, the, it's it's a, a pretty heavy rock score. So, I, stylistically, I liked the choice, but the music itself was pretty lame like it it felt like canned like music almost like just like the same eight riffs like on repeat i wanted to like it but it just it it wasn't as good as it no should have been it it was like trying it was trying i i mean i i think it was trying it just utterly like failed because there was no story here nothing interesting about the characters it, it didn't even make logical sense from you know time to time there's like pov of uh, presumably from the owl and it it goes through the workshop area which i was like ooh, <laughs> you know it, it pans across the table knife and a saw and all, all these tools on this table and then zeroes in on this drill press now i don't know if some of you out there might not know what a drill press is but a drill press is a big machine that's bolted it's like a big machine you'd have in your workshop that's like bolted to a table and or it is a table because you're going to put something in there and you're going to pull this lever down and the drill's going to go down. It's it's not a drill. You know, it's not like a hand drill that you pick up and move around. It's a fixed machine. And then later, the, all these people, Peter and a bunch of the actors are locked in their dressing room and uh, an arm comes through the door and grabs Mark. And they're like, ah, okay, get him off him, get him off him. And before they can get the arm off of Mark, they see a drill come through his stomach right. fr- through the door. And I'm like, oh, God, are you kidding me? This doesn't even make sense. A drill press cannot be, like, ripped from its perch <laughs> right. and carried somewhere and used like, you know, like it's a hand drill. It, it's just it's not the same tool. It's not portable. Yeah, so, uh, I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, oh I think I God. must have glanced away. Like, I, I, I do remember, like, glancing at the screen and seeing the point of view, like, looking through the workshop. And I'm like, okay, great. I get it. Like, he can find a weapon <laughs> or whatever. And then so, then I remember the, the drilling. Then the drilling happens, and Mark falls to the floor. And they go, ah! And what's their next idea? Oh, they're going to start prowling around. <laughs> well, but that's so, the thing. Like, there's no mystery to it either. They know who the killer is, or at least they think they do, and they're right uh-huh. and when they go out like when they they're, they're they want to go to the workshop because somebody remembers there's like a skeleton key there or something i don't know um and they think because you know the bad guy got weapons there they can get weapons there too but they walk out like onto the stage and the director just turns on one of the spotlights and points it up into the catwalks and the killer's right there yeah and, and so they run after him yeah they <laughs> 
God, do they run after him or do yeah. they run away Mark, from him? I don't even remember. Mark's in hot pursuit. He runs up on the catwalk and the killer's actually running from them. And he's got that axe in his hand and they go and it goes through some door up there. And so they break through the door and Mark turns the corner and he sees a dude in an in a, uh, owl costume sitting down and swings his axe at it. And everyone's like, no, 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 wait, 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 stop. Because they see that this guy's hands are tied. And of course, when they pull the owl costume off, it turns out that it's Brett. It's Brett, see? Okay, you're right. It wasn't just his body. They killed him. They killed him because Brett had... Okay, so there's a second owl costume. Right. The owl guy propped Brett up in in the rafter. Okay. Right, Uh, so when, when what's-his-name Peter, I think the director, axed him, he killed him. Which, whatever. I mean, that's fine. It does... I guess the killer had the foresight to, like, set that up as a gag (laughs) it's it's dumb and this is all happening to this major rock score but even before that i feel like there was a whole scene where peter and danny were out looking for the skeleton key on their own which was totally fruitless and they just ended up coming back empty-handed like but during that whole time there was this really loud classical music blaring and i thought that it was part of the score and then i realized no like this is happening in their world <laughs> like this loud classical music is playing did you notice that yeah i still don't understand really why i'm not sure where that yeah why that was uh because it doesn't amount to anything it's not like they go and find the source of it and turn it off and like, oh, mystery solved. Like, no, it's just, it's on for a while and then it's not, at least as far as I remember. It's so weird. And God, what else? Okay, all right. So Laurel makes Alicia fall off the ladder and she's just laying there at the bottom of the ladder unconscious, I guess. And then that's when Peter kills Brett on accident. This, okay, here's my, this is great. Let's talk about this. Sybil, the pregnant one, gets grabbed from like somebody reaches up through a hole in the floor, grabs her and pulls her down so that she's just hanging like by her arms in this hole. And her baby daddy is trying to pull her out. And eventually he does pull her out, but it's only the top part of her torso as though she has been bitten in half by, yeah, by a an dinosaur alien or something or a, a shark <laughs> and then and then does danny the dad the baby daddy does he dive in the hole or does he fall in the hole i don't remember but somehow he ends up down there on his back and the owl head guy cuts him in half with a chainsaw now presumably the killer also cut the girl, Sybil, in half with the chainsaw. He just did it really quietly because <laughs> there were no chainsaw sounds. Oh. Uh, there I were chainsaw, chainsaw sounds. God, there I were was chain- so bored. <laughs> yeah, I, I missed the chainsaw I, part I can't entirely. believe I remember it. I remember her being, the half of her being pulled up. I don't remember a chainsaw being a part yeah, of this movie. He, he then chainsaws Danny down in the hole, and you get the, you get the chainsaw noise, but not when she's being cut in half. Maybe he cut her in half with a samurai sword. I don't know. Oh, my God. And then, okay, so then, blah, 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 he jumps in the hole, he gets sawed in half. The owl is coming after Peter and Laurel. Laurel gets her blouse cut off. Like... <laughs> He swipes at her with a sword, and it just opens her blouse, so her boobs are out. 
Now, later you see her again and she's injured, but there's no sign of injury at this point. Just no. boobs. Peter tries to bargain with the killer, but then he gets his arm sawed off and then his head chopped off with an axe. At this point, everybody is dead except for Alicia. And the last time we saw her, she was unconscious on the floor. This is the point where I looked at the timestamp and there was still a half an hour left. And I'm like, you have got to be kidding me like what are we going to do for another half hour everybody's dead except for the one girl and she's asleep and i wish i was too (laughs) oh god i mean do you uh, i I can keep going she wakes up she finds injured laurel in the shower she hides in the adjoining shower and watches as the owl kills laura and then she finds a gun and some keys, and she tries to unlock the front door for 15 minutes, and she tries every single key. We get to watch her try every single key. None of them work. <laughs> I don't know. I guess the owl's not worried about her anymore. He's got his own thing to do. He's so he's, stage. <laughs> So he sets up a whole tableau of, bodies. of all of the dead people mm-hmm. on stage, which, again, that imagery alone... I liked it. If I were to see a still of that, I would be like, well, this looks like an interesting movie, but it's not. No. (laughs) I will also say there was one time that I got up to go to the bathroom and I paused and I came back and it was this, uh, you know, it was frozen on a frame of Alicia up in the catwalks and it was kind of a wide shot with her right in the middle and and the light and the focus on her and like nothing important was happening it wasn't an important scene but i just looked at the screen and thought that's actually a really beautiful shot so i do think oh yeah that there's some really good cinematography here it's just that the movie is so bad that you don't even notice Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I even noticed. I even noticed the cinematography was good because I was looking for something positive to say about the movie and I was trying to get into it and I was trying to reconcile some of the good reviews that I had heard and some of them said, yeah, it's got some real 80s style and and it does. I mean, it's it's got that in the visual. Not always, but at moments, right? It, it has that. But you're right. That doesn't matter. Because it can't possibly be visually visually interesting enough enough to overcome the dull lack of story, lack of character, lack of interest that you feel uh-huh. when you're just watching these people kind of just fumble around in this movie theater, and you don't care about them. Like and this owl, like what what's he gonna do? It's one guy, and there's five of them. Right. You know, like I mean, I don't get the sense that he's supernatural or superhuman or no. especially good at what he's doing. They just he's big, but I mean, he's tall. That's kind of the only thing. Like you're right. But I, he's got a freaking mask on. He shouldn't even be able to see half of what he's I know. doing. This giant owl mask. I don't even know where the holes are in that thing. Like <laughs> there, I, I did notice because there's a close up coming because he sets up this whole tableau of all of these dead people and then he just like places himself in the tableau. Like it's just like there's a couch and a uh, a chair that he's got, you know, three or four bodies lined up on the couch. He's got a couple of them down on the floor. It's like the pose for the breakfast club or something. Uh, and and he then takes a seat, you know, kind of right in the chair right next to the couch. So it's just a picture, like an a tableau and he just sits there. And like the cat this 
fucking cat that's been around all the time is like scream meowing and gets up in his lap and the the owl guy this is when they there's a close-up on his mask i can see the mask itself has eyes like glass eyes but just below that there are holes um that he can see out of but god this is so fucking (laughs) stupid so she's she's at the door and this whole key ring of keys that we've seen her try haven't worked as the owl man is setting up his tableau, she happens to notice that there is a single key stuck up between the floorboards of the stage. Yeah. So once he sets himself up there, she crawls under the stage, which is unlike any stage I've ever seen. It looks right. like it's made it looks like it's made out of like shipping pallets. Right. Like, <laughs> Huge gaps in the <laughs> which yeah. which doesn't match the top. I mean there's no, no continuity there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it looks ridiculous. And uh so she she goes and she tries to pull out the key, but despite the fact that everywhere else the gaps between the board are a good inch apart um right. this key is lodged in there and so she has to like use what what is she, like a, a knife nail. or a knitting she pulls needle a nail out yeah oh, God. And, and like sticks it up through it doesn't even make sense like the angle and it's this, no it doesn't make it. any sense oh. and this is supposed to be suspenseful like presumably this owl guy just sat down and fell asleep petting that cat or like he's <laughs> he's uh so he, entranced he that he's just not noticing I mean, the cat has noticed and is screaming and eventually like again i think that this is supposed to be suspenseful i honestly don't even remember what happens okay so uh she tries to pull the key through but it's stuck she uses the nail she gets the key but then as soon as she gets the key the owl jumps up and starts running uh, like she runs out from under the stage and it's pursuing her with the axe so you know the chase is on and she runs up to the rafters again and he runs up with him And then she pulls out, yanks out a fire extinguisher and blasts it at him, which, you know, temporarily knocks him out. And then he slips and he falls and he grabs a extension cord that's kind of loose up there. And he starts hanging from the rafters on an extension cord, which is alternately 12 feet in the air and two feet in the air, depending on the shot. See, and I got it. I thought this guy, now granted, he's supposed to be crazy, so maybe he's not rational. But yeah. when he falls, when he falls, he catches himself. And like you said, it appears that once he catches himself, he is a mere couple of feet off the ground. Yeah. Right. It, like just yeah. let go. You'll be perfectly, perfectly fine. But instead, he decides the wiser option will be to climb 50 feet up right. this electrical cord. <laughs> and she. Grabs an axe and starts hacking away at the cord. The music is pumping, and I literally have in my notes: Is this supposed to be thrilling? <laughs> well, and this this cord is like a metal chain. Like it, it, it isn't. It's liter. It's an electrical cord, and it yeah, takes her like thick- five or six strikes with the axe to finally get it to break. But of course, yeah. that's good because then that gives him time. Yeah. Meanwhile, probably you know, 200, 220 pounds of weight are also pulling on it. <laughs> right. And uh, eventually, he you know he gets all the way to the top. She finally strikes it. It breaks. And now they are down. over the stage at this point. Am I right? Yeah. So he falls down onto the stage, but then she also goes down. Oh, she climbs down. Right. Yeah. The feathers are still blowing from the feather machine and she's walking across the stage and she gets down off the stage and starts to walk through the audience to get to that door. But 
he's actually not on the stage. He's like in front of the stage in where the like the first row is. And he reaches out for her because she stupidly just walks right over his body, even though she could have gone anywhere Anywhere else. else. <laughs> anywhere else. And as he reaches for her, she goes, ah, and she tips over a pot that had fire in it? Like, I have I no idea. What like, had that was... been burning all night? It must have been burning all night because I feel like earlier in the movie, like in the very beginning of the movie, the groundskeeper Willie left <laughs> and said to somebody, make sure you put out the fire. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I, I do remember not that remember now. this at all. Oh, God. And like apropos of nothing. Remember, don't forget to put out the fire, <laughs> and then that's the it. Yeah. Oh, well, she puts it out on him, and so we get, you know, the cheap slow-mo man-on-fire effect. And then she manages to get out the door, because she has the key now, to the ineffective cops. Todd, oh, my this God. part is infuriating. This, this, this part, part is, is infuriating. So stupid. <laughs> she's in the hospital, and literally, she just is sitting there, and the nurse is comforting her, and she's like, all right, well, I'm glad you're better and stuff. She goes... Oh, my watch. And I was like, this watch no. has never been mentioned before, has it? At all. No, I, like, there's like it would it would almost make sense like if it were her dead mother's her grandfather's watch, or something. watch, something like the pulp fiction watch that was stuck up the guy's ass for years right. and stuff. But no. But it's nothing. It's like, just her watch. So I have in all caps Alicia goes back to the theater. <laughs> Mere hours after all of this has happened to retrieve her watch. And she f- she meets Willie on his way to work. And this would be, you know, since they haven't established it yet, the, he, she's like, um, I really need to get in there. I need to get my watch. And he's like, no, I can't let anybody in. Uh, I'm under strict orders not to let anybody in. And this would be the perfect place for her to say, but it was my mother's and she died no, no, nothing. it's really expensive. <laughs> it's like, oh, please, please, please. It's really expensive. She finds her watch. And then this is the moment where we're supposed to have some kind of crazy giallo type revelation, right? It took me a second to even understand what was going on. Again, op- apropos of nothing, Willie is just blabbering at the mouth at her. Hey, did you read the news article? They said they found eight bodies and blah, 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 yada, yeah. yada, yada. They're calling it the soundstage massacre. Eight horribly mutilated bodies. Yeah. Suddenly, she's looking at the stage and she's like, eight bodies were found. Eight, eight. And then it takes us painstakingly through each of the eight By bodies name. on the stage. Doesn't, doesn't By she name. like, yeah. Does she say them out loud or in her yeah, head? Practically. God. It is so on the nose. And so, oh, there. where's the ninth? And sure enough, that dude has been hanging out there this whole time, apparently, after the police cleared the area and locked it up. I, I don't know what the f***. You know, I just it don't understand. Make, no, it's so stupid. Like, he was fully engulfed in flames. Um, <laughs> so I guess... 
you know, between the time that she got outside to the two dunce cops sitting outside, one of whom is the director. I don't know if we mentioned that or not. From the time that she gets out there till the time that the other police arrive, I guess he's extinguished his flames and hidden himself away so that they Mm -hmm. don't find him right oh my god it's so dumb and then so he pops up he's not wearing the mask anymore so we we finally get to see this guy and he is a big guy and they they've got him a little bit burnt not not much at all and then he's like standing over her with an axe or something but then there's a gunshot and the killer goes down and it was willie who then goes (laughs) insane like i didn't understand (laughs) willie's like uh, she, he makes as he's blabbering to her as he lets her in he's criticizing her or something he's talking about you almost had him you could have shot him but you know you yeah that gun it pretty much fires in the, itself in the gun you didn't have a bullet in the chamber and you didn't turn the safety off and so the idea is that while she is finding her watch willie's off looking for the gun which apparently the is back in storage somewhere so that he can pull it out to show her how to load a bullet in the chamber long after the fact right. and turn the safety off. So he happens to be there with the gun that he's just retrieved to shoot her, and he just keeps going over and over, uh, right between the eyes, just like I said, right between the eyes, just like I said. Like you said, like he's going insane. He's just staring. Yeah, he's She's lost his wandered mind. off. He is- he's still talking to himself. <laughs> yeah. And, before, and then- before she wanders off, she looks down at at the ground and her watch is in like a million pieces like this is supposed to in some be way significant. be significant <laughs> it doesn't who matter, but gives you... a fuck it's a cheap ass looking gold watch <laughs> but go to pennies it. and get another one <laughs> she God. picks it up anyway and we get this long shots close-up shots on this killer's head and he has a bullet right in the middle of his forehead bullet hole and then the movie ends on a close-up of his face, and his eyes twitch, and he smiles. And then it cuts to Marilyn Monroe on the sax again. Like, it cuts back. That was awesome, though. (laughs) Yeah, like, it cuts back to the insanity of that first surprise scene. Like, we're in an intellectual musical. That cracked me up when they referred to it as that, too. It's an intellectual (laughs) musical. No, it isn't. Um, But that moment when he turned and smiled at the camera and then it cut back to Marilyn Monroe on the sax, I wanted that tone for the whole movie. Yes, yes. Make me a movie in that tone. Yes. With the exact same plot devices, that's fine, but I want it to be over the top and ridiculous. I want Marilyn Monroe on the sax. I want, <laughs> like, tongue-in-cheek <laughs> breaking the fourth wall. I want you to just go for it. And... This movie just didn't. And so, like I said before, you know, God, it's going to end up being a short episode because I just don't have anything to say. It's just not an interesting movie to even talk about, really. Yeah. Uh, Which is too bad. I don't know. Again, I I think that it, 100% think that somebody could remake this movie in a really clever and ironic way, um, and it could be really funny. I thought it was heading that direction because the musical itself looked ridiculous. I mean, intentionally ridiculous. It was avant-garde and like, you know, Marilyn Monroe on the saxophone. I mean, I was actually chuckling at the beginning of the movie. Sure. And I thought they were setting up that tone. But it was just a joke about the musical itself. But the movie itself was was taking itself seriously. And 
not to good effect. It was just boring and stupid and nonsensical and really a shame, honestly. And I'm sorry, Giovanni Radice. Uh, what can we say about your performance? You were great as uh, Brett. <laughs> I, I, honest to God, really did. He was my favorite of them. Like he was, yeah. because he was really the only one of them who had any character. The rest of them were really just indistinguishable. They were just fodder for the killer. He at least had a personality. Yeah. He may not have been you know, the most endearing personality, but at least he had a personality. Yeah, he had something, like, distinguishable about him. Well, the director was kind of Looney Tunes. The director yeah. was kind of a self-serious, to almost to the point of insanity kind of guy who was just high high tension all the time, kind of. But, but yeah, you're right. And, and, and funny enough, I mean, um, Giovanni Radice, he... he He's billed as John Morgan in here because he hated horror movies. <laughs> Even though he started a bunch of them, he did it for the paycheck. Uh, he didn't actually like them. He didn't even put his name to them. But that is what he's probably going to be most remembered for are these are these roles. So, uh, yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, he did a great job in this. I can't say I liked Cannibal Ferox, but, you know, his character in there, he was certainly, I think we did say it was certainly well acted. Uh, by him. What more can I say, Craig? <laughs> yeah, I don't to, know. I'm trying yeah. to... I hate it when we do these tribute episodes, and then we pull up these movies, and then they're just well, sort of shit, which is yeah, beside the point, you know? It is. Uh, I mean, whatever. This is, you know... Again, I, I, I'm not... It's not like I'm a big fan of this guy. I I, I think I remember him from Car- Cannibal Ferox, because I remember that story um, that you told before. But I don't know. I I, I could have him mixed up with somebody else. And, and, you know, it's not like I think that this performance in this movie was, you know, award-worthy or anything. It was just fine, and it was a fine performance in a not-so-great movie. But, you know, still an impressive body of work, and uh, somebody who got to do something in his life that a lot of us will only ever be able to dream of or live vicariously through other people. So I'm glad I would. How did you even hear uh, about his passing? Did you see it on like a horror website or something? Yeah, it came across my feeds uh, several times. So uh, either with some um, uh, group, some horror group I was in on Facebook or just uh, a friend of mine who happens to be into horror or whatnot. Uh, yeah, it, it came across uh, back in April and uh, a couple weeks ago, and I had re- reached out to you then. And it was between yeah. this one and The Church. And I, The Church is still on my list. It looks really fascinating, and I kind of wish I had chosen that one. But I think well, we'll do it eventually. Sure, we'll get around <laughs> to it. I would have I picked this one, too, honestly. Cause... I would have, too. Had you given me uh, the choice and said, look at the plot synopses, I'm sure I would have chosen this one, too. It does. It sounds good on paper. Um, it's just not executed all this well. Uh, this is totally off topic but it's a question that i've been meaning to ask and didn't get around to and it's a question that i know that i've asked before but i don't remember the answer why do they dub these movies Uh, (laughs) like obviously the performers were speaking in english um and then is it is adr just cheaper is it yeah i mean in general yes it's cheaper aid to do adr and sometimes it's a stylistic choice you know what who wants to bother with trying to get good sound on set when you know you can just gather the actors together afterwards and get a nice clean recording in the studio. Gotcha. Um, even though, you know, if it's not done skillfully enough, it, it becomes quite obvious, right? There, It's funny because, like, there's more ADR than you would ever realize in the biggest and most popular Hollywood productions. Oh, no. It's, yeah, it's I know. Just, 
you know, usually done so not so well, and, right. and not usually the whole freaking movie. Right. But yeah, these Italian movies, they just they just shot them cheaply by not worrying too much about sound on set. Yeah. And and sometimes they just wanted to put another voice uh, behind it. I'm not even a hundred percent positive that that was his voice. Right. In right. This, in this movie, honestly, he can speak English. He can speak English perfectly fine. And uh, I'm sure we've heard his voice in Cannibal Ferox, and uh, I've heard him uh, interviews on YouTube. I, I went and watched a couple interviews with him in preparation for this. But, you know, he's got a little bit of an Italian accent that wasn't so clear in this film. So either he was able to affect a different accent or they ended up dubbing him with somebody else. I would be, I would suspect it was the latter because yeah. I now God I don't I just watched it yesterday I don't even remember but they didn't speak with Italian accents did they No no yeah so whatever anyway um <clears throat> yeah no I I can't I can't recommend this movie the funny thing is as soon as I saw that owl mask I thought that I had seen it before because I hmm. know that I have seen that mask before Harry Potter is it? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, you, I watch a lot of those, like the hundred scariest movies you've never seen or the uh-huh. hundred killers, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure that I've just it's seen been that in, one of these, uh... in clips <laughs> somewhere. But it, I mean, because I mean, you see, it's one of the very first things you see. And I it, honestly, my first thought was, wait, have we already done this movie? Because we've done so many at this point that I forget some of the ones that we've done. Um, but anyway, yeah. I, I quickly realized that, no, I was just familiar with the the costume. Um, and frankly, if you have any interest in it at all, I think you could see the most interesting parts by like doing like a Google image search. Like, mm. look at that tableau that the killer sets up at the end. That's that. I actually liked that. I liked the yeah. look of it, and I, I don't know. God, I think of the dumbest things when I'm watching this, but uh, I was like, wow, they're all doing a really good job of keeping their eyes open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that, I didn't see any of them blink once. That literally crossed my mind as I was watching it, too. I'm like, man, they're playing dead really, really well. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought they were, too. And I liked the look of the makeup. It didn't look real, but it looked like, you know, good, spooky corpse makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like, the one girl uh, is cut completely in half, so they clearly got her rigged somehow halfway through the floor. And there's a, a fun shot where the, the director had his head chopped off and his head is sitting on a table and it looks good so you can tell that he must have been sitting under the table and then uh, the killer goes to pick his head up and you see him grab the actor's head and move it just a little bit before it cuts back to a wide shot and you see him lift it off the table and so it's obviously a prop but pretty seamless in the way that it was shot um, and so there were there were things like that that looked good, but it's I just don't think it's worth the time. I don't think it's worth an hour and a half of your time. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Sad to say, I mean, thank you for listening to our podcast. Just don't see yeah. this movie. <laughs> yeah, can't recommend it. Rest in peace, Giovanni Lombardo Radice. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. You can find us just by searching Two Guys in a Chainsaw Podcast on Google and uh, find us at anywhere a podcast is where you can leave a review or uh, just shoot us an email or leave a comment on our website or on our Facebook page or shoot us a message on Twitter, something on our Instagram feed, just all of those places online. 
or you could leave us a message let us know what you thought of this let us know what movies or films we should do next and if you are so motivated uh, to join the club and support us please consider our patreon patreon.com slash chainsaw podcast until next time i'm todd and i'm craig and we're two guys in the chainsaw Bye.